we'd like to welcome you to The Journey from the Hill. This is a weekly podcast of Chapel Hill Baptist Church. Each week, you'll hear biblical teaching from our pastor, Dr. Shannon Moses. At the end of today's podcast, you'll hear a way to reach out to us with any questions you might have about this message. Now, let's prayerfully listen as Dr. Moses opens the Word of God. You may be seated. So good to be here. It's fun to sit back there and watch you sing and worship. I hear you. I hear you from the back. I, I, see, you, I see your cheeks all bouncing up and down. You're singing. It's really good to be able to come together and worship with brothers and sisters, like-minded believers. We're singing to the same God. We're singing for the same purpose, worshiping the same Lord and Savior, Jesus. And uh, it's, it's just a privilege and honor to be able to come together and do that. If you've got your Bible, I want to invite you to turn with me over to the book of Acts. We're going to be there today. We've been reading through Acts chapter um, 1 through 7 over the last several weeks. Since we came out of Easter, we've been reading the continuation. Everything that he had started, Luke continues to write to, oh, excellent Theophilus, all that Jesus began to do and continued to do. We are looking at the early church and we're watching it just grow and expand. We're seeing it as you bump over into chapter 8, and I know some of you have bumped over in there and saw Paul, Saul, who was standing there giving hearty agreement to the stoning of Stephen. He was holding the coats, and you see that by the time you get into chapter 8, he is ravaging the early church. It's through persecution that the early church is just exploding. It's moving further and further out. It's through the persecution that Jesus, when he said uh, there in Acts 1, the disciples were asking, is it now that you're going to set up the kingdom of Israel? And he says, it's not for you to know times and epics, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And when that power comes, it's through the persecution that the message will go forth from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part. One of the good things about us reading the Word of God over and over and over, over the last several weeks for sure, just reading the early church's account, how on the day of Pentecost, how the Holy Spirit came and how God began to work and move. That Peter who was scared of little girls before, when the power of God came upon him, he was no longer scared. He moved with power, moved in, in mighty ways by the Spirit of God. We're getting to read that, and I encourage you, I encourage you to stay in the Word Stay in the Word, stay in prayer, continue to do the things that you and I know we're to be doing as sons and daughters of, of God. I mean, as, as children of God, you and I, we know how we ought to act. We've got the Spirit of God who nudges and corrects and directs and leads us into truth, leads us into understanding. God didn't leave us as orphans. No, He sent us a helper and as a believer, you and I, as we, as we go into real life, as we go into the schools, as you go to your job and do life, you're not doing life alone. You're not doing husband alone. You're not doing wife and mama and daddy and son and daughter alone. You're not doing it as a, as a student alone. No, we have the Spirit of God with us. The other day, this, this is a side note. The other day I was out there, daddy helped me. We had to put a, um, we had to put a power steering line on the, on the van 
And you know, power steering line, it goes down bottom and it gets down there and it's hooked into this deal and it's a 2010 van and it's, it's like I couldn't get it off for nothing. I'm just laying there under there and I'm working in a tight little spot. It's like yay big and it's like I literally out loud, I'm like, Jesus, you've got to help me. Because if Daddy hadn't have been there, I told him I'd have run it off a ditch, I'd have sold it, I'd have like given it away, it'd have been in the bottom of that pond or something. I'm like, come on, Lord, help me, please. You know, we can always ask for help. He never leaves you nor forsake you. God is with you no matter what you're going through, no matter what life throws at you as a child of God, as a, as, as a believer. You have the Spirit of God that's indwelling you. And He gives you power, just like we're reading, just like as we read through and we see God doing mighty things in the early church God does things through you and me today on a regular basis. Yes, I get it. We're so caught up in life. We're so caught up in the busyness and in the stuff that this world throws at us. But the prince and power of this air, remember, is the enemy. Satan is the prince and power of this air. But through it all, it's just those moments, through it all, when we can get there and just be with him, be in his presence through study, through prayer, through seeking Him. Because at the end of the day, that's really all that matters. Guys, we stand before God. It's appointed unto man once to die, and then there's going to be a judgment. We stand before God there, me, uh, me and Him, you and Him, your spouse and Him, your mama and Him. It's not as a group. It's individually. So because of that, we're to be doing the things that we can control. Think about it. You know, I can get my family in church, but I, that's, I, I can't tell you where their minds are right now. But I know where mine is. And you know where yours is. You know where your thoughts are. There's nothing you can do. That's why I pray at the beginning of every service, and I pray long before y'all see me, that God, you would just help us this morning to, to focus on you. God, move through and, and move in the hearts and the minds and the lives of the people that they can focus and listen to you this morning. Don't hear me. Don't hear me. This morning, you're not going to hear me, I promise you. You're going to hear the Spirit of God. It's God that's going to speak. But you've got to listen. See, and that you can control. You can't control what the person next to you. It's not one of those... It's kind of funny. Some of you leave out and they'll say, I wish they'd have been here to hear that one. No, you were here. You matter. You matter. So we're reading through the book of Acts. Sitting there, chapter 4. Revival is taking place. Exciting things are going on. You're moving through. The Holy Spirit's come. Day of Pentecost has come. Revival is happening. God is beginning to add to the church regularly. Chapter 3, Peter and John walks into the city and a guy looks at them. They're walking into the temple and he, they, they make eye contact and he says, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have is Jesus. Stand up and walk. And from then on, it's like, like more chaos and more move of the Spirit happens and he's drawing more and more attention to what God is doing. You get over in chapter 4 and they're like, Look, stop doing that. Stop, stop, stop. You can't talk in this name. You can't speak in the, resurrect, in the name of the resurrected Lord. We watch him die. We saw him die. Don't speak of him. They're trying to quench. They're trying to hush. They're trying to stop it. But we know as you read, as you continue to read, God is working and moving. Look at chapter 4, beginning in verse 13. Notice this. Listen, y'all. 
One of the greatest compliments any one of us can ever receive on this earth is what they are ta- what the men say about the disciples in verse 13 of Acts 4. Look at what it says. It says, Now as they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed and began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I mean, stay in the Word. That's what I mean, stay in prayer. When the world sees you, there's like, hey, there's something different about them. Not in how we dress, but in how we carry ourselves, the the words that we say, the encouragement that we bring. Guys, the world needs to imagine, imagine, no, we're not the most educated. We're not the most well-trained. We may not have the most, but you know what? We've spent time with the Lord, and because of that, the world sees it. God is working. God is doing an amazing work. Read on over. Look at verse 21. No, verse, uh, yeah, look, look at verse 21. When they had threatened them further, they let them go, finding no basis on which to punish them on account of the people, because they were all glorifying God for what had happened. For the man was more than 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing had been performed. It said everybody, they were glorifying God. They were praising God. Revival is happening. Lives are being changed. Look down at verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. God is moving in this day and time. In the early church we're reading God is at work. He's doing amazing, amazing things. Look over in chapter 5 beginning in verse 14. And all the more believers in the Lord, multitudes of men and women were constantly added to their number to such an extent that they even carried the sick out into the streets and laid them on cots and pallets. Listen to this. So that when Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on any one of them. Also, the people from the cities in the vicinity of Jerusalem were coming together, bringing people who were sick or afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all being healed. Guys, that is the context. That is what is going on in the early church. Miracles are taking place. Lives are being changed. People are, people are being healed. Even the shadow of Peter. The same Peter before Christ, remember he was, he was scared before the Holy Spirit came. But when the Spirit of God came upon him, lives, even his shadow was, say, was changing people's lives, was healing people. That is what is going on in this world. That is what's happening in the early church revival is happening you know i say this here's what i'm going to say i believe revival is happening right here and for many for many you have to adjust and allow yourselves to hear what i'm saying so many of us in southern baptist churches have been conditioned and trained through year after year after year that revival is something that you have once a year it's on a what second sunday and it starts the second Sunday of June or the second Sunday of July, whatever the church was that you grew up in, and you bring in a special speaker, and he preaches these four or five nights, and you've got this special music, and, and the preacher's eating at different houses every night. That's how we view revival, but that's not biblical revival. Biblical revival is what we see in the early church. 
People are, people are regularly together in the Word. They're worshiping from house to house, from place to place. They're, they're, they're being known and being seen as people who have been and spent time with Jesus. They're together. Look over in chapter 4, verse 32. And the congregation of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and not one of them claimed that anything belonging to him was his own, but all things were common property to them. There was a unity. There was a oneness. There was a closeness. There was a sense of togetherness that was happening, and they all it all was under the umbrella and the worship and the focus of King Jesus. God was doing an amazing work. I believe in the lives of you and many of you who are, who are allowing yourself through the noise, honestly, through the chaos, through this thing called life, you're able to, in the middle of it, see Christ working. You are, whatever storm you may be facing, or listen, some of you may be on mountains, praise God, but wherever you are on the up and down roller coaster of life, for those of you that are staying in the Word, for those of you that are continuing to seek God in prayer, you're praying over your families, you're praying over the church, you're praying for me. I have so many of you text me on, on just all these times saying, hey, praying for you today, praying for you regularly, pray for your family often, praying for you daily. Thank you so much. God is doing something in your life. That is revival. Revival don't have to be once a year. Revival is a daily thing. It's a daily walk as we are being made into the image. God is getting out the junk and he's replacing it with the things he desires to have in us. And in the middle of all of that, those of us that are having revival are controlling what we can control and that's ourselves. Listen, I can't help what's going on in governments. I cannot help what's happening in the news. I cannot help inflation and economies. I can't control interest rates, but I can control me. I can control how I'm in the Word, how I walk with the Lord. I can control my prayer life. And look, it doesn't have to be a big, big, loud and over the top. It can just be a, it's, it's, it's here. It's a walk. It's a daily walk. It's a closeness. It's an intimacy. I can control me, and you can control you. Because here's the deal. That really matters. Us controlling that really matters. Because I'm bouncing all around a conversation that is in Scripture that you've read every single day that you've read chapter 1 through 7 of the book of Acts. There's a conversation that we have in there. There's a, there's a situation, there's an event that takes place that Luke recorded for us. Oh, excellent Theopolis, all that he began to do, I have thoroughly checked it, and this is what happened. And we have chapter 5 of the book of Acts. Guys, in, the, in, a, in, a, in a world, in a time, in a season when revival was breaking out, when when great moves of God was taking place, I believe that that's happening around here in the lives of many. Acts chapter 5 exists. For those of you that's read it, you know exactly where we are. For those of you that haven't, we are introduced to a man and a woman named Ananias and Sapphira. And I would put before you this morning that churches are filled with Ananias and Sapphiras all over the place today. Look at what the Bible says. Continue to read in Acts chapter 4. 
Verse 33, with great power, the apostles were given testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and abundant grace was upon them all. For there was not a needy person among them, for all who were owners of land or houses would sell them and bring the proceeds of the sale and lay them at the apostles' feet, and they would be distributed to each as any had need. Very important point there. Verse 36, Now Joseph, a Levite of Cyprian birth, who was called Barnabas by the apostles, which is translated means son of encouragement, and who owned a tract of land, sold it, and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Can you imagine what that Sunday must have been like? Many of you, if you've been in church for any time, you've gone through a building plan, you've gone through a period of time to where you had a debt, whether it was remodeling a sanctuary, adding an education wing, redoing a parking lot, something. You had to raise money, you had to go to the bank, you, you, you had a debt, and over a period of time you had to pay that debt back. And I don't know if any of you, I've never been a part of one, it was called a note burning a note burning is a Sunday to where they come in and, and the preacher or whoever, the leaders, the deacons, the chairman of the building committee, the chairman of the deacons and the preacher will make this big deal and they'll have this big drum and they'll take the note and they'll burn it in front of everybody and everybody gets up and they're all excited because the debt is paid. Praise God. We're no longer having to send X number of dollars to the bank. We have paid that building off. Praise God. Can you only imagine what happened that day? Barnabas, we don't know how large the tract of land was, but Barnabas brings in a sum of money and lays it at the feet of the apostles. Can you imagine the conversation that went on that Sunday afternoon? They were at the Chinese, the Mexican restaurant. They were, I don't know, they were eating Kentucky Fried Chicken and Fried Chicken. They were going somewhere to get food. Can you imagine the conversation that must have gone on around those tables? Wow, did you see what Barnabas did? Wow, can you imagine what Barnabas... Wow, that's amazing. Barnabas this and Barnabas that. And, and the whole rave is Barnabas. His, his family is being talked about. I mean, other churches. Man, Barnabas is the bomb. Barnabas, he is awesome. He's amazing. The Barnabas stories are going everywhere. At Carline, at Travel Ball, at Football, I mean, all in the stands, they're talking about, did you hear what Barnabas did? And then we meet Ananias and Sapphira. That's the context. All of that is the context of chapter 5 of Acts. But Ananias and Sapphira, notice this. But Ananias and Sapphira, but Ananias, but a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property. They did the same thing. I said earlier, can you imagine what it must have been like in Ananias and Sapphira's house that night? They were sitting there. They probably was part of the church that morning, and they saw Barnabas come up, and such a big deal was made out of Barnabas. Can you imagine what the drive home must have been like? He got started. Can you believe all that they're talking about, oh, Ananias? That's, that's, that's Barnabas. His wife's always doing this, and his kid, just all the gossip, all the backbiting, all the slander, all the jealousy, all the little bickering, all the little yan-yan. Can you imagine what must have went on? And guys, I'm saying all this because in 2023, Brother Shannon, how in the world can you make this fit 2023? 
I'll say this church is full. This room, this room right here is full of Ananias and Sapphira's. You're like, wow. Just go back up. Go back up. Look at, look at verse 32 and the and, uh, first four, chapter 4. And the congregation of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and not one of them claimed that anything belonging to him was his own, but all things were common property to them. Ananias and Sapphira, the best, it doesn't tell us they're not, the best we understand was in that group. But something went on in their hearts. Something went on with their motives. Something went on with their agenda. Something went on behind the scenes. Some secret conversation took place behind the scenes that, that they probably thought nobody would ever hear. But God hears. God sees our motives. God hears our conversation. God hears the, the, the God sees us. God sees you. God sees all of us. Ananias and Sapphira thought that, hey, I'm going to get some of this. Whether it, was for je- whether it was driven by jealousy or, or envy, we don't know, but it was driven by something. Acts 5 gives the entire details. They go off, they also sell a piece of property. And notice there's a, there's a story that takes place in verse 2, and kept back some of the price for himself with his wife's full knowledge and bringing a portion of it, he laid it at the apostles' feet. What in the world is different than verse what? Barnabas did, then what Ananias and Sapphira did, they both sold a piece of property, they both brought the money back, but one gave it with a pure heart and one had an agenda. One had a messed up motive. One one was loaded and one wasn't. God sees it. God sees all of us. God knows what's going on in each and every one of us. Look at verse 3. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back some of the price of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not under your control? Why is it that you have conceived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. And these words, Ananias fell down and breathed his last, and great fear came over all who heard of it. And the young men got up and covered him up and was carrying him out and they buried him. And Ananias and Sapphira came up with a plan that they were going to... It was a a good plan. Nobody would ever know about it. Nobody would ever find out. We were going to, in the eyes of the people, we were going to fool everybody. We were going to wear our mask and we were going to look the part and act like everybody else. And we were going to go in and get some for ourselves. But God saw the heart. God sees all of our hearts. God sees the motive behind every single decision and action any of us take. God sees the secret things. He sees the secret conversations. He sees the private stuff. Some of you, I've heard it said inside of church, some of you may even think it. Why in the world would God, when He's got billions, eight point something billion people to worry about, not counting the animals, not counting the stars, not counting the other galaxies and the rest of the universe. He's got all that to deal with. Why in the world is he going to be caring about what I'm doing right here? He's God. The omniscient, all-knowing, all-powerful God. There's nothing we slip by him. There's nothing slips under the crack. Our agendas matter. 
Our jealousy matters. See, we can't control how others act, but we can control how we act. We can't control what others are doing, but we can control what we do. We can't control what's going on in their life and in that group and in that sect, but we can control, as for me and my house, what I'm going to do. Or actually, as for me, what I'm going to do. I am. Are we going to go down it? Are we going to allow it to happen? Or are we going to sit there and do what God would have us to do? And that's simply the choice each person has to make because there's consequences. Why is this in here? You know, in the context, there's revival taking place. There's miracles happening. Lives are being changed everywhere. And we're, we're, we're brought back into, right down, almost it's like we're put into the, to the living room, the kitchen table, the car ride home, the bedroom at night, listening to Ananias and Sapphira. Have this conversation driven not by the Spirit of God, Was it envy, jealousy, greed, pride? What is it? But here's the deal. Why are we shown this? Why didn't, why didn't Luke... Why didn't Luke just continue the high road? Why didn't he, you know, and, and, and multitudes were being saved and, and, and Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, all these people were coming to know Christ and, and, and a great move of the Spirit was happening and shadows of the disciples were healing people. Why do we, all of a sudden, in the middle of these two conversations, why do we drop down into the intimate, almost seemingly unimportant choice that a husband and wife made listen it wasn't that they didn't give they gave but their heart was wrong it wasn't how much they gave it was the motive it wasn't it wasn't it was a heart thing look at what he said to him Verse 4, while it remained unsold, did it not remain in your own? And after it was sold, was it not under your control? Listen, you could have done anything with this. But your heart was bad. Your motive was wrong. Something was just not right. You saw, you saw Barnabas getting all the attaboys and you wanted some too. Check yourself. What drives us? What moves us? It's easy to wear a mask. It's easy to go through the motions. It's easy to play the part. Nobody will ever know. Nobody will ever know. It's not hurting anybody. God sees it. God sees it. To him who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. Oh, wretched men that we are. The rest of the story now, verse 7, Now there elapsed an interval of about three hours, and his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter responded to her, Tell me whether you sold the land for such and such a price. And she said, Yes. That was the price. That was the plan. 
Nobody will know. It's just a little lie. It's just a tiny white lie. It's not going to affect anybody. I'm going to continue to go through with it. She doesn't have a clue that her husband's been buried for three hours now. Dead. I skipped over the part of how'd he die. You know, we love to read this really fast and think it was some supernatural zapping from God. But imagine this. Connecting it up to verse 32, when the whole congregation of those who believe are of one heart and soul, and not one of them claimed anything of his own, but everything was together. You know, Ananias and Sapphira probably sat in services just like this, and they probably sang in the choir and played one of those instruments, or did this, or rocked the babies, or taught nursery, and went on mission trips. They were probably, they were probably really good folks. But when they were caught, could it have been a heart attack? <gasps> Breathed his last and died. Here's the deal we're all caught. We're all caught. It's just a little white lie. It's not hurting anybody, it's not affecting anybody. Nobody will know. Nobody will ever find out. It's a little thing. God already knows. God already sees it. He's right there. There's consequences. Three hours pass. Is that how much it was? Yep. Then Peter said, verse 9, Why is it that you've agreed together to put the Spirit of the Lord to the test? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out as well. And immediately... He fell at her feet and breathed her last. And the young men came in and found her dead. And they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear came over the whole church and over all who heard of these things. In the middle of revival conversation, in the middle of how God is doing so much, it's easy to get caught up in the busyness and the activity And miss the holiness of God. The standard of God. We can't water His standard down. He's gracious beyond anything we deserve. Every single one of us should have have already, every single one of us without exception, should have already dropped down just like Ananias and Sapphira. Because every single one of us, if we're honest, are caught. Different from him than it is her. Different from her than it is that group over there or that one right over there. Young people and seniors, it's it's just different. But here's the deal. If we're not careful, guys, here's what will happen. Here's what happens. We start drifting. We start drifting. We leave a day like this. We walk out of a sermon here in just a minute. I'm going to have every head bowed and I'm going to say everybody bowed. I'm going to say, look, y'all, just you and the Lord, just for a few minutes. And I'm going to say, hey, guys, you and him. Just just confess it. The Bible says that if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He'll wipe us clean. He'll forgive us and if we repent and confess. We don't say we have sin, we're lying. And we'll walk out those doors. If we're not careful, we'll, we'll start drifting. We'll start drifting in the Holy Spirit to say, hey, remember you just promised not to do that again. If we're not careful, we'll, we'll hear it and we'll close our eyes and we'll close our heart. Yeah, but it don't hurt nobody. 
not affecting nobody. Nobody will ever know when we get further and further and further and further away. Why is chapter 5 of the book of Acts there? We wonder sometimes. We say, God, you're so good and you're so gracious and you're so faithful and you're so merciful and all that. And if we're not careful, we just run right over God's goodness and right over God's mercy. Romans 6, do we sin that grace may abound? God forbid. I'm not telling you to do anything that's outside of your control. I'm not telling you to go fix that group or that group or go make changes. I'm just telling you the things that we can do. Everybody, everybody bow your head. Like I said earlier, I'm not going to give you any specifics, but you know what I'm you know what the Spirit of God is saying to you. And you're listening. You and him right now, y'all talk. Y'all talk. He hears you. There's nothing you can say that he don't already know. Repent, confess it right now. We say that we have no sin. We're deceiving ourselves and the truth's not in us. We confess our sins. He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We say that we have not sinned. We make him a liar and his word is not in us. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteousness. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for those that are in the whole world. Listen, he hears you. Name them. We're not confessing them to neighbors. We're not confessing them to family. He hears you. Father God in heaven, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you, Holy Spirit of God, that you are so gentle. God, you show us things that we try to hide and you show us things that we overlook and take for granted. And God home through our lives and you look over our lives and you say hey that's not who you are that's not what I saved you for that's not your you're not fulfilling my purpose by doing that by thinking that by going there by being that that's not you anymore thank you God for your conviction
Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your presence. Thank you for your word. God, it's so amazing that you can preach such a general word, and yet it hits so specific. That don't mean I'm good. That just means you are so good. You were pleased, Lord, in the foolishness of the message preached, God, to change lives. as we get up here in a little bit and we walk out the doors. Lord, I pray that we, Holy Spirit of God, don't let us go back to it. Don't let us continue in it. Don't let us act that way. God, please forgive us. Please correct us. Please direct us. Please, Holy Spirit of God. Whether it's envy, whether it's jealousy, bitterness, whatever, whatever the name of it is, whatever it is, Lord, God, free us from it. We're going to give you praise, honor, and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. As we stand this morning, as we sing this hymn, listen to these words. This is what Christ has done for us. undeserving but he is so good guys go live in his power go live in his spirit go live to the fullness of everything he desires for us to do don't settle for second best don't settle for what this world is trying to sell us go be his go be exactly who He saved you to be. And you have power through the Holy Spirit of God to do that very thing. No more than that. Just be who He saved you to be. Right there where you are, wherever He has you planted, go do it. We hope you received a blessing from this week's message. If you have any questions about what you've heard from Pastor Shannon this week, you may call our church office at area code 205 Three three nine four zero seven one. We pray that God's word strengthens you as you go on your journey today.